Pet Chat. Welcome back. We're here again until one o'clock and we're joined today by Cheryl Shaw and we've also got Dr. Kimberly Earle. Welcome, ladies. Hello, how are you? Hello. I'm doing really well. I love this time of the week. Now, Cheryl, you normally have a guest speaker on, but you've decided to go straight to the big guns today and you're our guest speaker. Yes, I'm going to be the companion animal hygienist that I am today talking about uh, people bathing their dogs at home and how to do that. Because a lot of people find it a little bit nerve-wracking because sometimes the pooches don't overly love it and you've probably got some tips for us. Yes, absolutely. Great, so we're going to do that. And uh, Kimberly, we're looking at rabbits. Rabbits, yeah. I thought we'd have a little discussion as rab- of, um, on rabbits as pets. They're becoming increasingly popular, um, but they're not as easy as some people think. So we want to cover some important points and then maybe mention a few um, issues that Australia is having with rabbits at the moment. Now, Cheryl Shaw's here and she's going to give us a bit of a chat too about dog washing. This is something that we've all got to do if you're, you're a dog owner. That's right. But it's not always... that easy is it? Yeah it isn't and it's one question that really does get asked a lot of me, how often should I bath my dog? Yeah, How often is that often? (laughs) Okay it's going to depend on a lot of things, one of the things certainly is going to be whether the dog is sleeping with you, if it's really living in a close relationship with you certainly it's going to need to be bathed really regularly. Um, Cleanliness really does play a big role in the overall health of the dog. Um, When you're bathing the dog you can actually see if there's any issues going on with Mm -hmm. the skin, you can see if there's any lumps or bumps that may not have been there previously and this can help um, to give your dog longevity because if you spot something early enough and you get um, sick of veterinarian for advice on that certainly that can help so having those hands on looking with your eyes when you're doing the bathing is a great way to just keep a a check on your dog's skin the other thing with how often should you bath the dog if you're using the correct shampoos now these shampoos don't have to be expensive you can use shampoos you know that a, a, a good quality Australian shampoo is always recommended, so that you're not getting something that's been imported into one of the you know sure. the, the cheaper shops. But certainly you don't have to be high end. So making sure that the shampoo is a um, a pH balanced shampoo and that it's soap free and detergent free. That's really important to the dog's um, overall health. If you're putting on a product that's going to cause irritation to the dog's skin, then we're going to have an itchy dog. That dog could be itching at itself, biting at itself, and that's going to create other problems as well. So that selection of the shampoo is really critical to keeping the dog nice and healthy. So we'll bath our dog. Now, look, some people will do it via the hose, which some dogs don't really enjoy. (laughs) Some people will do it in their sink or in their laundry. But it's certainly um, when you are using um, these areas make sure that you've got plenty of water because one of the things that we do find creates a lot of problems for dogs is when product is left in the dog so if you've got some soap residue left in there well they do they become so itchy and And you know what with yourself if you haven't washed your shampoo out properly it's just yeah absolutely so what happens if that shampoo or some residue is left behind the dog will chew it itself now sometimes that will cause trauma to the skin and it can cause obviously bacterial infections to happen um, sometimes these products too can actually um, cause chemical burns on the dog. So it's really important that we are rinsing and then rinsing. So the thing that I was saying about having lots of water there, when you think you've rinsed, please rinse again because you need to get those products out of the dog. Obviously, apart from um, them getting scratchy and itchy, they can develop things like scurfing or, or dander, dandruff, just like we can get. So it's really important to rinse these dogs well. Um, I'm a big believer of making sure it's squeaky clean. So when you're rinsing, it should be really, really squeaky clean. Yep. 
Yep. And not only when you are bathing the dog are you getting it clean, but you're also um, removing a lot of, obviously, dirt that's in the dog's coat. But a lot of um, the doggy odour that happens is because the hair that is dead, that is shedding, it actually holds odour. So what we have when we pat a dog, um, when we smell our hand, we often get that real doggy smell. So if we're bath- bathing the dog really frequently, we're going to reduce that shedding hair. That dead hair is going to be going away and it's not going to be all over your clothing and all over your house and car. So it's going to make the dog a lot more comfortable and not so smelly. So living with you, the dog's going to feel comfortable and you're going to have a a fresh-smelling dog. Um, The other thing is to make sure that you dry the dog. Now, this is an area that a lot of problem... um, problems happen because the dog once its skin is wet and its coat's wet often people just go oh it's a nice hot day I'll leave the dog to dry outside well unfortunately this tends to um, create some bacteria and, and sometimes yeast and other infections happening on the dog's skin because with the dog's body being warm the moisture being left on the dog's coat to dry over a period of time bacteria can very easily start to breed it gives it a, oh. a great um, a great problem for a lot of dogs so if you can dry your your dog obviously with a towel as much as you can and then um, get your hair dryer don't put it on heat though if you can avoid the heat because you certainly don't want to overheat your dog and dry the dog as thoroughly as you can just to avoid that um, number one the malodor but secondly um, to prevent any any smells coming through that's an area i didn't realize i own a maltese gizmo and you know when we bath him in the sink i'll give him the good old towel dry which he loves yep but then he just goes you know, mental. He just runs around and go. You know, so we just let him go for it. But I should be trying to dry him a bit Absolutely. more by the sounds of Absolutely. it. Absolutely, a lot of those um, yeasty bacteria all happen because we have too much moisture on the dog's coat. Okay. Really interesting stuff there. Some stuff that we... Well, I know I wasn't aware of all of it. So it is quite important. We've got neighbours who bath their dog every week. And I feel really guilty. Molly Lee's her name. They're beautiful. They look after her really well. And I think, oh, my gosh, I'm so slack. Gizmo gets... Well, we get him groomed. And then maybe every couple more weeks we'll put him in the sink and give him a bath but maybe we need to do it a little bit more yeah i mean obviously it depends on your lifestyle and you know just what your dog is doing well he does sleep on the end of the bed but so does my husband i mean he sleeps in the bed so you know they're on well he's, he's having lots of showers maybe gizmo needs a few more as well. well i hose him off so i can do them together yeah but um you know certainly that selection of shampoo is really important yeah just to okay. make sure that you you know you're cleaning him making him nice and clean and a lot of the dogs i know maltese especially they do have sensitive skin yes. that, you know they get some real issues with their skin and I guess that's a big part of it is making sure you're not making it worse by giving them a bath with a product that yeah. they just don't agree with Absolutely. and certainly not using a human product either because we've got to remember the pH of our shampoo and the pH for the dog shampoo are two different things I am doing everything wrong <laughs> Gizmo's currently getting Johnson shampoo <laughs> that I don't like to use for Max oh my goodness alright well that's been very educational thank you Cheryl thank you <laughs> You're with Pet Chat. We're going to come back and take your calls. There's a free line now, 49216216. I'm going to hang my head in shame. It's 2NURFM 103.7. <laughs> We're just here having a little coffee. You know, it's that time of the year, isn't it? Well, it's really hot, but it's terrible when you do get the cold.
sidetracked. We've got Dr Kimberly Early and she's going to answer any of your questions today. And of course, coming up a little later, Easter, only a couple of weeks away, we're going to look at rabbits for pets. Yeah, yeah. Rabbits is a, um, they're a fantastic pet for families and they're becoming more and more common. But unfortunately, some of the advice that um, people are getting out of pet shops and things like that is not always adequate for taking care of their rabbits. Yeah. And we often find that parents will get their kids a rabbit, not understanding that they um, that there are some fairly um, particular requirements that rabbits have in terms of care and maintenance. Um, so rabbits, diet is the biggest issue we have with rabbits. Um, it's really important that rabbits are fed a, a quality pellet-based diet. Yep. Um, that is just pellets and not muesli. And that's one of our biggest issues. Yeah. So we're going to look at that and a little bit more very soon and taking your calls next, 49216216. You're with Pet Chat and we are taking your calls, 49216216. A big hello to Maggie. You're in Cam's Wharf and you've got a question possibly for Cheryl about bathing your dog. Yes, I do. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can. Oh, okay, Cheryl. Um, yeah, I have a cavoodle, Archie, and we walk in the mornings and he gets a little bit damp from the dew and I always dry him off with a towel. Uh, and then in the afternoon on his walk, he usually has a swim in the lake and also goes up to visit his friend and has a swim in their bird bath. Um, <laughs> so um, I can't be washing him every day. I do, you know, dampen a, a washcloth and try and get as much of that salt and... Um, whatever's in that bird bath off him yeah. uh, and then I usually spray a conditioner and a little bit of a deodoriser on him because he is an inside sleeping on the bed dog Yes. Um, and then I usually wash him once a week and have him groomed every few weeks okay. um, but he is quite itchy around the jawline and I have had him checked out with the vet but they can't see anything on the skin um, probably tend not to get the shampoo too much around that area but I'm just wondering if maybe there is some residue there because he scratches incessantly. Sometimes around the jawline, it just depends whether um, whether he's very jowly and whether he's got bacteria sitting in those folds of, the, um, of his lips there. Is he a jowly dog? No, he's very slight. He hasn't, doesn't carry much weight and no, he hasn't really got any fat to speak of at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So, oh. no, there's no overhanging around the jaw, you know. Okay. What, with, um, with your shampooing, when you are um, bathing his face, make sure you do really give it a good rinse. It is an area that people have a lot of difficulty with. Um, they tend to yeah. not want to get product, obviously, in the puppy's eyes or ears, but you certainly yeah. need to make sure that you are rinsing that area very thoroughly. Um, okay. That would be something that I would be trying to concentrate on and just to see whether if you do rinse a little bit more thoroughly, um, whether yeah. that may help him. But but obviously yeah. he does enjoy the water so that's an issue for you does. as well <laughs> is it is it uh, maggie is it where he's red is it right underneath his chin and jaw or is it yes is yes. it in it's contact right with his, his sorry? sorry i was gonna say is it in contact with his food ball um not really not no really? okay it sort of doesn't hang down you know he's, yeah. he's got quite that pointy poodly Type of face. face, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's under that jawline, okay. and um, yeah, it just seems to scratch in the, in the throat really area. violently. You yeah. know, to, to the point where the bed's shaking while he's scratching. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Maggie, one of the other things you might want to consider having a look at, quite often when you find dogs that do swim a lot and have a lot of water activity, they often get their collars wet and bacteria can mm. be harboured in their collar, which would very easily okay. transfer onto his neck yeah. and around his um, chin area. Okay. So maybe um, there's some special collars you can get that don't harbour bacteria because they're made out of um, plastic um, oh, rather okay. than the, the webbed collars, which do tend to hold bacteria. So that could be right. something for a very active dog that I'd consider. Mm. Even having okay, a couple well, different colours to check out. to yeah. walk into Pet Farm, so I'll get one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The best of luck with it. We do have a free line. We want to hear from you, 49216216. Dr Kimberly Earl here to take any of your questions. I've actually got a question while okay. we wait for our next call. Sure. How do you get a dog used to living near a cat? We're, oh. we're, we've got our mother-in-law next to us. She loves cats. I mm. love dogs. And Gizmo's an old dog. He, he's 11. Yeah. But he just goes crazy when those cats come near. He mm. just, you know. Is he barking? He wants to, like. He wants to, he wants to get to them. When he gets mm. to them, yep. he doesn't know what to do. They're actually yeah. bigger than him. So a couple of times they've turned around and he is terrified and runs away. But yeah. it's just that, you know, he starts whining and he's jumping up and he just wants to get to them. Yeah, I mean, part of it's that he doesn't really know what it is probably mm. if he hasn't been well socialised with cats. Um, I guess in that sort of instance, the ideal situation would be to desensitise him to it so that he, you know, gets some interaction time with them. But obviously that can be complicated. We have to make sure that it's very well supervised so that the cat's not harming him with a nasty claw and that he's also not, yes. you know, harming the cat. Um, but a lot of little dogs are very excited by it because they don't know what, you know, what is this other animal that I'm is it a friend or is it a foe is it something and I think um, you know he probably thinks he wants to play with it but he doesn't really have a good you know sort of indication so I guess I would try a a nice slow gradual introduction but with the caveat that some small dogs just are not good with little other fluffy things Um, so there are a lot of terrier breeds who don't you know just don't tolerate other you know that they're always going to be out for the kill and it's what we need to try to do is to read the um, gizmo's body language to see whether or not he's sort of aggressively excited or just excited and wanting to play or you know things like that i think it's potentially um, aggressively excited yeah i just don't want the cat to have a heart attack or my mother-in-law mm. so they're the two that i'm trying to probably protect cats, cats are quite good at um defending themselves you know we we would see a number of dogs every year that get their eyes clawed by yeah. cats and things so um you know it's can be stressful for the cat um and sometimes what we find is that once we've done that introduction the dogs are like more like oh now i know what this is now i really want to get it it is a hard hard thing to do okay gradual introduction would always be the way to do it get the dog used to the cat smell the cat sound maybe some very close contact not contact but you know you're holding a cat somebody's holding the dog that kind of thing um being always aware not to get scratched or bitten yeah okay well we'll give it a go we'll see how we go dog bathing is the topic for the day we've got <laughs> Anne from curry now you've got a three-year-old dog uh gets a bath every fortnight uh yeah we get our groomer to come and bath her um every every second friday and then, so she has two barbs a month. Yep. What breed of dog do you have, Anne? A Maltese Itchu. Yep, okay. Uh, She's an inside dog, yep. all inside dog. Is that enough barbs? Yes, or? that's absolutely fine. If she's if she's having a bath fortnightly, she's inside with you, she's certainly going to be um, very comfortable and she'll be mat-free and um, that also does aid on the dog's health. So that's very good. And also, she scratches all the time. Ah, 
we've taken, she's done it ever since we got her as a puppy. We've taken her to the vets and they can't find anything. Yeah, there's. Um, this is Kimberly speaking. There, there's a lot of dogs that have very itchy, allergic skin, and it is one of our more frustrating conditions because diagnosing the actual cause of an allergy um, takes a fair bit of work. Itchy dogs are always a, um, you know, a, a big concern for us. We see a lot of them, particularly at this time of year. Um, and it's not necessarily that they all have an infection, but a lot of it is allergy-based. And so there are lots of things we can do. There's some fantastic new products out on the market that can just help with the itchiness. If your dog's skin is otherwise, you know, it's not infected and there's not... Um, not red or... Yeah, things like infected that. Infected or... It's nothing. Yeah, and keep in mind that, I mean, a bit of scratching is pretty normal. You know, like even you or I will, will have a little bit of a scratch here and there. Some dogs, again, don't like to have their collars on, um, and so they're having a bit of a scratch around collars definitely she doesn't have a collar on okay. at home and have you got a really good flea prevention um program in place for her uh yeah she has that comforter is it com- comforters yeah that's one of the good ones so that she good. has one of them um- yep and so, yeah, I think, you know, making sure that, um, that you've got that, kept that on board, that the, that the groomer is using a, um, ideally a sensitive skin, um, shampoo, something really good quality can be helpful. Um, you may want to look at one of the, um, prescription diets that, um, is for skin sensitivity. So, um, you know, the, the sort of premium dog food brands will almost always have a sensitive skin diet that can make a difference. It takes a little while, three to five weeks before you'll notice a difference, but that can sometimes help with itchiness as well. We've got Bruce in Mayfield. You've got a question for Dr. Kimberly Earle about uh, your pet? Yes, hi Kimberly. How are you going? I'm good, thanks Bruce. How are you? Help- how- what can I help you with today? Uh, I've got a miniature pincher. He's only 12 months old. Yep. And, and we didn't get him this next because we thought we might be breeding. Okay. But, but that, that's not happening now. And he's a very social little dog. He's always happy. Would getting him this next stop him from wanting to be over playful with other dogs. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> He's a yeah. little bit over eager, is he? Listen, it can it can really help, um, but it's not necessarily a magic cure. So sometimes that's just the way that dogs play, and there is a little bit of um, sometimes you know back and forth dominance sort of thing. They'll hop on the other dog. Um, you know, we see a lot of females um, doing that to other female dogs when they're just trying to sort of work out who's going to be the top dog on this day. Um, but it certainly can help to take the test influence away so he doesn't have that real um, sort of hormonal influence there and it's um, it, it can be a really um, useful sort of thing and it won't change the rest of his demeanor like he's not going to you know turn into a different sort of dog um, he's a little bit he's a little older so sometimes things have become a bit of more of an ingrained habit um, and so it may not make a real significant difference but it usually helps with you know dogs that are active with people's legs or the fluffy bunny slipper I had a dog who had a fluffy bunny slipper growing oh, up yes. um, so that kind of behavior certainly desexing them can certainly make a difference uh, okay that'd be great because he's a great little dog and his best mate a little and he just will not leave him alone. Oh, oh dear. goodness me, yes. <laughs> yeah. you got to feel for them. My um, friend who had a dog, um, yeah, had the old Ugg boot. And it yeah. was terrible, though. You'd go over and the pooch would bring it out and put on a real performance. Yeah. Quite awkward. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking your calls today for Pet Chat. We've got Carol now. Uh, is your dog gone, Carol? Sorry? Well, I've got. <laughs> tell us your problem. 
Oh, hi. Hi, Carol. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got three dogs. Uh, we have uh, bitumen from the back door to a garage at the back, and behind that is a grass area where they do their business. Yep. And what happens is one of them does their business anywhere on the bitumen, and it could be uh, in bits and pieces anywhere on the bitumen, so it's not in sort of a pile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all they do. The rest of the time they go down and do their business where they're supposed to. Um, we've tried everything. We've tried... If there is a day that they don't do it, um, we give them treats and play ball and do all that and encourage them to go down. Yeah. Um, you know, so you'd like them, them to not be not be toileting on the bitumen. You want them on the grass, yeah. is that right? Yeah. yeah. They never used to do it. It just happened one day, okay. and yeah. it's been happening ever since. Quite so. quite often, for whatever reason, they'll have de- um, developed a little bit of an aversion sometimes to um, the grass. Some dogs don't like to walk on wet grass. They don't like you know the, to get their feet moist. And so it might have been a rainy day, and they've gone, oh, I'll just go here. It's good enough. Um, and they just have gotten probably a little bit lazy with it. Um, it's hard if there's three dogs to know if it's the same dog doing it all the time or if everybody's having a turn here and there. Um, but really what we need to do is sort of get in the habit of um, being out with them, you know, when you're taking them out to the toilet, walking them down to the back, being out, encouraging them to do their business and trying to um, avoid them doing that as in you might need to screen off the bitumen or, or do something that um, repels them from being on the bitumen so that they're not practicing that behavior you don't want them to do okay it's about trying to get them not give them the opportunity and encouraging them and then rewarding them when they go to the toilet at the right spot um, but it is a complex sort of thing when you've got three dogs to work out you know who's doing it yeah, yeah difficult one dr kimberly earl has all of the answers <laughs> before we do that though we're going to look at rabbits and what do you call a happy rabbit i don't know a hoptimist a hoptimist <laughs> plenty more where that came from but we'll, oh we'll talk dear. about rabbits now and a whether hoptimist. they make good pets you were talking yeah. about specific pellets to feed rabbits early. yeah well and pellets is um we sort of we sort of had to cut off there for a minute but pellets is really only part of the story because we really want that to be a small portion of the diet but a pellet if you know for that portion it should just be a straight pellet rabbits in the wild live on grass and our pet rabbits should be living on grass and grass varieties and hay okay um fiber is a major major contributor to good health in rabbits and those little pellets even even the good healthy ones that don't have all the other grains and seeds and corn and stuff like that in it um, they're just not enough fiber for these guys to keep them healthy so our healthy rabbits would be ideally eating hay they would be eating um, some fresh leafy greens bok choy and and a lot of your other dark green veggies and um, uh, herbs and things they'd get a small amount a tablespoon of a pellet a day maximum and they might get a little bit of carrot and i'm talking a little bit of carrot think of a slice the thickness of your second finger right not a whole carrot so they're not like bugs bunny they don't want to munch on heaps if we can get the diet right we have rabbit pets that last really really a long time they can live up to 12 years wow Um, that's not average average is probably seven or eight but they can live up to 12 years in a friendly sort of environment 
Because sometimes you do get the idea that rabbits aren't the sturdiest yeah. of, of creatures, yeah. but obviously it does come they down can. to how yeah. you care for them. Definitely. And husbandry um, with rabbits is one of the things that, you know, if we can get that right, it makes a significant difference to their quality of life and their length of life. The other thing that's important is vaccinating pet rabbits, okay? Um, now, in Australia, we only have calicivirus vaccination available for rabbits. Um, in other countries of the world, they have myxomatosis. And as we know, um, myxomatosis is in Australia because we're using that to try to control feral rabbits. And it is is very unfortunate because um, every year a number of pet rabbits will will um, succumb to myxomatosis okay. as well and we're not ever going to have a myxomatosis vaccination in Australia. Oh, it's okay. just the government is never going to do it. No. Okay. But we also now have a problem with a new Khaleesi virus in Australia um, and every few years CSIRO releases you know, a, a slight variation on the Khaleesi virus to keep again the, the feral populations down. But the one that we're seeing at the moment is not released by the government by CSRO. This is a new um, strain that's come in. Most likely it's come in from overseas on, on somebody who's travelled away and had contact with rabbits and things. Um, it is mostly at the moment causing problems a little bit more south of us, but they have had cases diagnosed in Sydney for sure. I think Adelaide is a real hot spot at the moment. They're ah. losing dozens and dozens of pet rabbits. And the vaccine that we have available is only partially protective, okay? But it, it will give some protection... And so in the past where we used to say, let's vaccinate your rabbits um, annually, um, we're always now recommending every six months. So if you have a pet rabbit and you haven't had them vaccinated, really well worthwhile getting into your local vet. Pretty well all small animal vets will have rabbit vaccinations, um, you know, the, 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 um, the, the product in their hospitals. Um, get your rabbit in for a check. Um, ask them to check the rabbit's teeth. That's really, really important. Um, another benefit of having that really good diet is that it helps to grind their teeth. And a lot of the problems we see with rabbits are in their mouth because their teeth are continuously growing and if they haven't got enough of that fibre their, their teeth won't wear down adequately. And is getting them dissexed if you've got more than one rabbit really, really popular? Important. I mean, there is the saying. Breeding like rabbits, absolutely. Yes. And desexing them is actually quite straightforward. Um, so there's always an anaesthetic involved and that is a little bit more risky in a rabbit than maybe in a dog or a cat. Um, but the procedures themselves for desexing is relatively straightforward, um, worthwhile doing for sure. Even if you have two female rabbits, uh, it's still worthwhile because rabbits have a very, very high rate of uterine cancer as they get older yep. and desexing them just gets rid of that problem altogether yeah. um, and certainly male rabbits will be urine markers so much like male cats are um, male rabbits will will mark their territory with urine it's much less fun to have a rabbit in the house who's marking his territory around your kitchen <laughs> no. um, so and and we do like to see house rabbits rabbits are fantastic pets in the house they are often very litter trainable so they can um, they can they be litter sure trained. oh very easily yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, they really like to be part of the family they enjoy interacting with people and sometimes with other pets although i would always say um be very careful with you know cats and dogs yeah. in the house until we know how they're going to react yeah um but yeah definitely they make fantastic little pets but it's definitely really important the thing that i would always say is if you're thinking of getting a rabbit for your for your child really important that the parents are taking responsibility yes. and watching because rabbits um, and their tummy and their diet is, is quite, you know, it is a bit challenging and we need to make sure that a parent is overseeing that. Also that we're watching that they are eating and pooping. If you're not seeing 
poop, rabbit poop, those nice little round drive pellets, if you're not seeing about 80 to 100 of those a day, there's a problem with your rabbit and it needs to get up to a vet ASAP. Okay, some good advice. And look, if you are in a position to maybe get your kids a rabbit, you've thought about it, you can. Easter is coming up. Could be a really good present. I think we have time for one more call and then we've got to do our our pet rescue of the week. We've got Beryl. Beryl, how can Dr. Kimberly Earl help you or your pet? Well, I hope you can. I've got two cats. Yeah. And every summer, they get these big, uh, it's a hard lump comes on them, like a wart, but it's not the colour of a wart, but it's that much as I can give you sort of thing. Okay. And um, some of them I can pinch off and some of them I can't, can't, but the ones I can't eat into their hide. Okay. And I mean, in their ears or or around their shoulders or in their neck or anywhere. And so they're a hard lump. Both of the cats are getting them? It's hard. Yeah, it's very hard. One's a crossbred Persian. And the other one is just an ordinary cat. Well, the ordinary cat's got one on his neck at present. Okay. And Uh, how big are they? Big one. How big are they, the lumps? Oh, the big one's about seven a year old, and the other one's about two or three. The lumps. How how big are the lumps, though? Oh, the lumps? Yeah. Oh, they're like a wart. They're a hard sort of thing. Okay. So cats are really prone to developing abscesses and it might be that they're um, either having run-ins with other cats, things like that. They might be, um, you know, getting some lesions on the skin either from parasites or um, or maybe they're being naughty cats and they're, you know, trying to get under the fence or get under a bush and they're getting some thorns or prickles there. It doesn't sound typical um, for anything that I can think of off the top of my head. But I guess if if there's a, almost a scab lesion with a hole underneath, I'd be concerned that that's, you know, maybe an infection and uh, um, an abscess of some sort. And so potentially worthwhile having your vet have a look at them um, because that can cause some some trouble with it. It's certainly not uncommon in summer months for the cats to be outside a bit more often and coming in contact with their neighbour cats and maybe having a bit of a run-in. Okay, good luck with Mm, that, Beryl. Keep an eye on them, take them to the vet. Now, having a look at 2NURFM's Pet Rescue of the Week, we've actually got not one but two. Two beautiful puppies. Yeah, they are. Look, they're going to be big ones. Introducing Mia and Macy, they're 14-week-old Staffy Cross puppies. Now, they're absolutely gorgeous, but if you jump on our 2NURFM (laughs) website, click on Lifestyle Shows and go to Pet Chat, you'll see that they're quite big and they will grow up to be big dogs, won't they, Yeah, I think so. They are. But look, they're fun-loving. They love each other. They give kids they wrestle with each other obedience training and toilet training has started but of course it will need to be continued they're only 14 weeks so yeah, really important yeah. to be in a position where you can continue that training um, they're very social ladies they love going out and playing with other dogs they're, they never dislike another dog so that's good news um, and if you want more information you can go to dogrescuenewcastle.com.au but they certainly are gorgeous particularly the photo where they're both wearing a bandana the bandanas yeah. yeah oh just adorable so yeah mm. if you in the market to get a pet go to dog rescue or cat rescue newcastle absolutely yeah. looks good and that's just about all we've got time for today ladies cheryl yeah. shaw dr kimberly earl thank you both so much for coming in thank sure. you Charlie. thank you for having us it's been very educational of course pet chat will be back next week from midday and uh, we do certainly want to hear from you so if you didn't get a chance to get your call in today and ask your question make sure you call in nice and early next week